Welcome to High Cheese. It's Friday, January 5th, 2023. So the president of Harvard resigned, finally. Claudine Gay. And this resignation just shows us the insanity of these DEI programs, which essentially are racist programs that promote selected minorities into positions of power, not based on their competency, but based on their race. If you take a look at Gay, she should never have been there in the first place. If you take a look at previous presidents of Harvard, these were accomplished people. These were people with a body of work, a history of service, an accomplishment that helped promote them to becoming president of Harvard. But this was not the case with Gay. Okay, she had a PhD, but big deal. We now find that she cheated to get that PhD. But in the mind of these DEI programs, these uh, people that promote people based on race, in their mind, oh, well, if a white person can get it, certainly a black person can do it because it's all about race. It's not about competency. And I think Bill Ackman said it best. And he's a hedge fund guy that led the charge to get rid of gay. And he also promoted not contributing to these Ivy League endowments unless they changed their anti-Semitic stances. I think he said it best with uh, what happens when you push these DEI programs. Because when you pick or you want to pick a candidate based on race, you're just shrinking the pool of candidates and you're not getting the best people. And the underlying assumption there is that person that you're ultimately going to hire for this is not competent because it's based on race. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a pool of candidates that include black people. But you can't go into a situation and say, I'm going to hire a black person. I'm going to find the best black person that fits that role. Doesn't serve Harvard. Doesn't serve the candidate. Doesn't serve anyone. And what they were trying to do to protect gay is just indicative of this Bolshevik mindset. Here she is. She's got caught plagiarizing. And plagiarism is a big deal in academia. And certainly a student that plagiarized their work would have been tossed out of Harvard. But not the president. Rules for thee, not for me. And we see it also with these global warming freaks. They're the ones that want to change everyone else's lifestyle with these draconian measures. While they fly around the world with a massive carbon footprint, as they would say it, you have to suffer the consequences of the rules that we want to apply, but not us. The same thing here happened with Harvard. And again, it just results in reverse racism. And the interesting thing is that these uh, communists that have taken over a lot of our institutions... It's all about pushing race because they tried to get the working class to come on board with them, but it hasn't worked in the United States. The middle class, the upper middle class, the working class of this country want nothing to do with communism. So now they twist and turn and make it all about race. And you're kind of getting blowback here because a lot of times with these communists have placed African-American women at the top of the minority list at the expense of other minorities, and African-American men. But what happens is you turn off the other minorities, Hispanics, Asians, because take it, they take a step back as, well, wait a second, you're talking about you're for minorities, but you're just for African-Americans. And all these talking heads, all these communist African-Americans that you see on TV, 
They think they can lead the charge here for all minorities, and they made a huge mistake, because they're not. I think African-Americans are only 12% of the population, but they're constantly pushing certain African-Americans in these positions of powers that is not based on competency. It's based on race. And other minorities take a look at this. So wait, wait a second, this isn't fair. Take a look at Hispanics. They're the largest minority in the country right now. They're saying to themselves, hey, you don't represent me. Where are these Bolsheviks pushing Hispanics into position of powers? I don't see it. And quite frankly, Hispanics don't want it. They want to work hard for their positions. They want to work hard for their lifestyles. And that's why you see Donald Trump gaining ground so much with the Hispanic community. I think the last poll I saw that Trump is either leading or they're split between Biden and, and Trump. Let's take a look at the Asian community. Let's take a look at the affirmative action decision by the Supreme Court. They were pushing African-American students into Harvard at the expense of Asian minorities. So you really think Asian minorities are going to push this agenda, this DEI agenda? No. And this is just what is totally insane about this DEI program, which is nothing more than just racism overtaking our corporations, overtaking our institutions. doesn't matter if I cheat or plagiarize. It's all about race. And it's not working. And with that said, I want to go to a clip. It's with uh, Mara Gay. She's on the New York Times editorial board. And, and she's out there espousing how terrible it is that Claudine Gay got fired. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back to discuss. There's a lot to unpack here. So let's go on campus. Mm-hmm. So this is really an attack on academic freedom. It's an attack on uh, people who are pluralists and believe that you should bring people from all over the world together uh, of diverse backgrounds and that you, you actually have more scholarly rigor and, and more um, value can be uh, brought by having people from different backgrounds. This is an attack on diversity. This is an attack on multiculturalism. You notice how Gay never mentioned competence. Oh, diversity is great just for diversity. Now, in a corporate set, diversity is good. But you have to have competence. Any institution, diversity is good. When they're filled with competent people. But you're not hearing that from Gay. It's all about race. It's all about what I bring to the table with my race. And that's a problem. If I, as I've said a hundred times, this country is not going to be able to move ahead unless it becomes colorblind. And that's what people like gay are, are pushing. That's what uh, DEI is pushing. It's all about race. Competency doesn't matter. And the other thing she talks about that I find ironic is she was talking about academic freedom. Academic freedom, of course. A lot of academic freedom at Harvard and a lot of our higher education institutions. Conservatives can't speak at these universities. I think there was a poll that said less than 1% of teachers at Ivy League schools are conservatives. That's academic freedom. And just the hypocrisy of this is just startling. You know, but at the same time, do, do we have to question Marigay? Is she there because she's black or is she there because she's competent? And that's the questions that are raised by DEI. 
it was several years ago. She was talking about Michael Bloomberg, and he's the billionaire that ran for president in 2020 in the Democratic primary. And she met, she mentioned that Bloomberg has enough money to give a million dollars to every American. And if you ran the numbers on that, Bloomberg would have to be a quintillionaire in order to afford that. And believe you me, he's no quintillionaire. I don't think there is any quintillionaire out there. But it's just, you know, it it just doesn't matter to people like Gay and those pursuing the D, uh, DEI. You want the most competent people for the right positions. And when you strip that away and make it all about race, this country just gets dumbed down. And before I move on to the next topic, I just want to mention a little debate that Mark Cuban had with Elon Musk on X, formerly known as Twitter. And Mark Cuban, who's an owner of the Dallas Maverick basketball team in the NBA. I think he recently sold his majority stake in the Mavericks, but he was on X and apparently there was a debate going on about DEI and Cuban was talking about all the great things that DEI does and how good it is. So Elon Musk responds, cool. So when should we expect to see a short white Asian woman on the Mavs? And in that one sentence, he just undermined the whole philosophy of DEI. So we shall see. You know, the Biden administration just not, does not get it. The number one issue with the American voter today is the economy. And they don't understand why. Well, on paper, everything looks good. Inflation is coming down. But they forget to tell you that since Biden took office, inflation's been up nearly 18%. We've got people taking two, three jobs just to meet their expenses. We've got housing unaffordable for young people. And December's employment report came out today. And here's the interesting thing that they're not telling you. The number came out was okay. It wasn't great. wasn't bad. But what they're not telling you is that the economy lost 1.5 million full-time jobs in December. And that full-time job loss was offset by a massive surge in part-time jobs. And since February of 2023, there have been no full-time jobs created. Zero. It's all part-time jobs, and it's all people struggling to pay for inflation. So we've had no full-time jobs created since February 2023, but we created a massive amount of part-time jobs. Well, guess what happens when you go from a full-time job to a part-time job? In most cases, you lose your benefits. You lose your health care, and if you happen to find health care, you're going to have to pay 100% of the insurance policy. You lose your ability to contribute to a 401k. But that's, that's supposed to be okay with the Biden administration. And that's where they're not getting it. And they don't realize that when something looks good on paper, and it only looks good on paper because maybe 25 to 30% of your population is doing well economically, and a vast majority of the people in your country are struggling, that's not good. That's not a good economy. It may look good on paper, but that's not a good economy. Now, maybe some of them want to do this by design. It's a way of them keeping their thumb on people, keep them beholden to the government. I don't know, but it's not a good economy. And then to add insult to injury, 
the Biden administration has opened our southern border. Open. We've got nearly 11 million illegal people that have entered this country since he took office. And you know that what that does to the labor pool? It dilutes it, which drives down wages. Now, the Biden administration has given out work visas to many of these immigrants. And you've got these economists and you've got these talking heads on the left saying, oh, well, we need this. And with that said, I want to go to a couple of clips. Uh, one of these clips is from a, a talking head on MSNBC. Uh, I forgot her name. She's just a weird-looking woman. Too much makeup, these big blue or green glasses. And the other is by Steve Ratner, MSNBC's talking economist. So let's go to the first clip, and then we'll come back and discuss. But the thing that we don't talk about when it comes to immigration is we don't talk about this is a very tight labor market. We actually need these people to work jobs. And I think that you're not, you know. Oh, yeah. Dilute the labor pool. And then make the people that are getting hurt by this surge in immigration pay for the migrants. $450 billion a year. That's coming out of taxpayer money. So not, not only are they taking money out of your pocket to pay for the illegal immigrants, these illegal immigrants are going to dilute your wages. And don't be fooled. These migrants that are coming into this country are not just at the lower end of the economic spectrum. You've got middle-class people coming into this country also. So this is going to affect the working class, the middle class, in some cases, the upper middle class. Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It may benefit some of these big corporations that have aligned themselves with big government. Maybe it helps their balance sheet, and it doesn't help the American citizen. And another thing that she fails to tell you is what happens when the economy slows down? What happens when there's a recession? When you're losing all these part-time jobs that Biden has created? What are you going to do with the immigrants then? You're going to continue to house them? You're going to continue to pay $451 billion a year? Who's going to pay for that? Okay, I'm going to switch to a clip by Steve Ratner. And Steve Ratner is telling us that we don't have enough immigrants. We need more. So let's go to this clip, and then we'll come back to discuss. Yeah, so as I tried to say, we're not being overrun by immigrants, legal or otherwise. And that is actually a problem. And it's a problem for this reason. Our fertility rate, like most other major countries, is declining. Fewer babies per woman, a whole set of reasons for that. So if you look at our population projections... If we had no immigration in this country, our population would actually peak next year. And then it would start to decline all the way like that out to just over 200 million at the end of the century. We take in uh, roughly a million immigrants a year legally uh, now through various processes. That will hold our population roughly flat. If we want our population to grow at the same rate that it grew at in the 20 years from 2000 to 2020, we need to take in 3 million immigrants a year. So there is a really strong argument for why we need more immigration, not less immigration. Now, I agree with Ratner that immigration is healthy for a country, within reason. Now, I may disagree with the numbers that he's talking about, 
But we both agree that early immigration is good for a country. But where Ratna is missing the point, it's totally irresponsible to allow 11 million undocumented migrants into a country over a three-year period. There's health issues, there's security issues, there's cultural issues, there's economic issues. How does such a massive amount of migrants thrown into a country affect its citizens? Now, I don't think Ratner's being responsible by not bringing up the fact that 11 million undocumented migrants into a country this size is not good. Now, in two related topics, we have the House Homeland Security Committee is beginning an impeachment inquiry against Mayorkas. Now, it's a little too late. He's already done his damage. And secondly, we've got the impasse on the Ukrainian aid. Now, right now, the House wants um, massive concessions on the border in order for Ukraine to receive its aid. Now, quite frankly, I don't know, short of closing the border, I don't know what the House can do to stop this massive illegal immigration as long as the Biden administration is in power. They can pass a lot of laws that say nice things. But if the administration doesn't implement those laws, this massive illegal immigration is going to continue. So we'll see on this. Now this just in. The Supreme Court is going to take up Donald Trump's Colorado case. Now, just a reminder, the Colorado Supreme Court has ruled that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist and should be taken off the ballot. Quite frankly, the Supreme Court should come back with a 9-0 decision on this in Trump's favor. Anything short of that will cause havoc after Trump's elected. So we shall see. Okay, let me go to my 2024 predictions, and let's go to the top prediction for 2024, and uh, Donald Trump is going to get reelected, and here's how he's going to do it. He's going to hold all of his 2020 states, but he's going to pick up and he's going to flip Nevada, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Now, my door... My dark horse on this is Minnesota. I think he's got a chance of taking Minnesota, as well as another state. I think he's there's a blue state out there, maybe New Jersey, maybe Virginia, that he could also pick up also. But I think that this is going to be a resounding electoral victory for Donald Trump. And as I said in my previous episode, that there's going to be rioting in the street. The anti-Trumpers, the anarchists, the communists, they're going to riot in the inner cities. They're going to create havoc. So just be prepared for that. Now, I also think that the Republicans will take back the Senate. I think they'll flip Ohio. I think they'll flip Georgia. I think they'll flip West Virginia, Arizona. And I do think that the House is going to eke out a majority. Now, let's talk about stocks. Now, I think if there were adults that were in charge of the stock market today, the market should go down 25%, but we don't have adults in the room. So it'll probably wind up going sideways, a lot of volatility this year, because the Fed is going to do everything it can to avoid a deep recession this election year. 
because it benefits Biden. Now, I do believe at some point this year, a recession will start. Now, the question is how deep it's going to be and when will it start? My inclination is that it'll start later this year. Now, the Fed is risking more inflation. And speaking of inflation, I just think inflation is going to go sideways. It's not going to move up or down much, but it will hover around 18% for Biden's term. There's a big potential that it could go back up again. Maybe not to 9%, but it could go up. I think oil's going to hover around $80 a barrel most of the year. May touch 90, may dip down to 70, but that's the range for oil this year. Gasoline also is going to fluctuate from where it is today, up a little bit, down a little bit, but it'll hover around $3 a gallon for the year. Ukraine. I don't think there'll be much moving on Ukraine. I don't think there'll be a ceasefire, even if there's more aid coming to Ukraine from the United States. Zelensky's got to realize that he can't win, so he's got to settle. And I don't think he's going to do that. And which means that these poor Ukrainians are just going to get pounded and pounded by Russia. Now, the only way this does settle is that if the generals take things in their own hand, hands and have a coup, which is a possibility. But I think Russia is just going to sit tight and see what happens with the uh, election in November. And when Trump wins, I'm sure Russia is going to be more than willing to settle. Ukraine's going to have to take concessions, but I think you won't see any kind of settlement before Trump takes office. Let's talk about Taiwan. You know, for me, it's a coin flip on whether China attacks Taiwan. Now, we've got an election this month in uh, Taiwan, and apparently the front runner for president has already acknowledged that he feels that Taiwan is an independent state. So if he wins, it's just going to continue the friction between Taiwan and China. But my inclination is that if China is going to attack, this is the year to do it. So I'm not saying that China is going to attack, but I'm giving it a 60-40 split that China will attack Taiwan this year. Now, I want to talk about Israel. I don't see that there will be a major expansion of this war. And what I mean, that U.S. involvement, massive U.S. involvement. I think Iran, they talk a good game, they're sneaky behind the scenes, but they don't want direct confrontation with Israel. They don't want direct confrontation with the United States. So they'll just try to continue to fund terrorism in the area, around the world. But at some point, they're going to have to pay the piper. But it's not going to happen this year. You know, people don't realize that Israel has a massive army, just a massive army. Remember the $14 billion in aid that we were going to give Israel? Well, they don't seem to be wanting it right now. I'm sure they'll take it. But they're more than capable of defending themselves right now. And that includes Iran. And quite frankly, I don't think uh, Iran wants to take on Israel. Not in a kinetic war. The only problem is, is that we've got a weak president here in the United States. And you've got these other skirmishes with the Houthis and Yemen. But for the most part, I think this war ends. I think um, Israel will accomplish its goals of eradicating Hamas without a full-scale war being blown up in the Middle East. Let's go to impeachment. Joe Biden will be impeached, and he will likely be found not guilty by the Senate. But one thing I've always said, there will be 
either on the House side or on the Senate side, Democrats that vote against Biden. And with that said, thank you very much for listening. You have a good week, and I will talk to you next Saturday.